Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all. And we will start today with our morning prayer. I'm reading to accept from page 160 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. My beloved students, enter into the closet of divine love and there in humility, ask this ever-present power to shield and to defend you from the enemies of your souls and bodies, to defend you and guard you and guide you in the path of righteousness, pleasantness, and truth. Examine your motives. Ask if selfish desire governs them, or if in obedience to the divine command you are taking up your cross and following him. Self-seeking will never result in soul finding, in finding divine wisdom and love apart from self, and self swallowed up in a victory of soul. There is but one way of salvation from sin, disease, and death, and this way is to take up the cross in order to follow Christ. Then God, who knows your motive, will reward your act according to that motive and not according to your word. Very big idea. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, before we do the watching point, uh, I wanted Jeremy to talk about YouTube for a moment. Oh, okay. As you no doubt noticed, YouTube has ads. Uh, we do not get any money from those ads, but I have to say we are quite grateful to YouTube for giving us the ability to freely share Christian science. And they do have the option to have a uh, to buy a premium account if you want to watch things ad free if you watch enough. Um, and we also have a Vimeo account which you could go on to and see things without ads. So, yeah, yeah, we we had once been advised a long time ago not to uh, put ourselves on YouTube because of these ads. But that would have been a very big mistake. Huge mistake. Yeah. You know, we've just gone past 10 years. We have, I don't know, over 4,000 videos. We have 3.3 million uh, views with, I think it's almost 900,000 hours watched. That's just a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of eyes on this. And that's just wonderful. And so if we have to pay a few bucks a month to get it without ads, <laughs> that's it. So. Yeah, and there's something they, they never bother us or they never come after us, right? Because we... Yeah, that's it. They're, they, they're making money off us. You know, we, we keep our head down and do our work. So. Yeah, keep our head down and do our work. We don't want to cause... Yeah, and I, I am so grateful. So Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So there are alternatives if the ads bother you to me, if I ever come across ads, I just scroll quickly past them. I don't let them bother me. Um, the other, can I say something? Certainly, Debbie. Yeah, um, I just, I just want to say thank you so much for the YouTubes because that's how I came to know Christian Science, and then I came to know Plainfield, and you have just changed my life. So um, I just want to heartily support you, YouTube's access. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. Um, the other one, other topic I wanted to mention was uh, someone had suggested to Florence, I guess, uh, there was a, an omission we've made to the service. I don't even remember how or why, um, but, but we researched it a little bit and um, this is, this is it. This was a notice put in, I guess, a Sentinel or a journal, Jeremy. Was that where it was? By Mrs. Eddy? Yes. Yeah. She says, note, 
All churches of our denomination are respectfully requested to have the first reader read the following at the opening of the Bible lesson on Sunday. Mary Baker Eddy. And then this is what is written. I'm not sure if she wrote it or not, but anyway, she requested it be read. It was changed in what year? Uh, 1912 is when I first saw the change. Okay, all right. Changed somewhat, not a lot, but okay. And it is this, and many of you are familiar with this, so I think we're going to start reading it again. At our serv- on our Sunday services, the Bible and the Christian science textbook are our only preachers. We shall now read scriptural texts and their correlative passages from our textbook. These comprise our sermon. The canonical writings, together with the word of our textbook, corroborating and explaining the Bible text in their denominational spiritual import and application to all ages, past, present, and future, constitute a sermon undivorced from truth, uncontaminated or fettered by human hypotheses, and authorized by Christ. That was from 1897. Now, I'm sure that sounds familiar to many of you. It was changed to divinely authorized, but we're going we're gonna to say it like Mrs. Eddy did, authorized by Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Concurred, right? Yes. Better, I, I think, authorized by Christ. Yes. yes. Is it Christ you following? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Thank you. All right. Now, Karen, the watching point. Okay. Um, watch 258. Watch lest you lose sight of the fact that you are now in the kingdom of heaven and that the only reason you do not perceive it is because your spiritual senses, which alone can testify to this fact, have become atrophied or been covered up by falsity. The only way to develop or resurrect these senses is through use. We rarely seek to use spiritual sense unless we are confronted with a problem or a question that defies solution by the human mind or human methods. Hence, we should seek such problems and rejoice when we are confronted by them. They are to be found in the Bible, in Mrs. Eddy's writings, in her life, as well as in our own lives. Thank you very much. And as I was saying, I was I was so thrilled over this watching point. I love it. It's so powerful. And it is what we read in, in the Apocalypse, right? Revelation, that we are here. Now we are the kingdom of heaven. It's not something we have to wait to be in, but it is our spiritual sense that tells us and reveals this to us. And if you haven't developed your spiritual sense at all, as this watching point brings out, dear Mr. Carpenter, I thank him every day for all that he gave us. Um, then the world seems pretty miserable. But through your spiritual sense, you can see it as it really is. And how wonderful is that? So comments on that. Well, it reminded me of of recently when reading where Paul said, you know, rejoice in infirmity. He's not telling us to rejoice in pain. He's telling us rejoice that it pushes you to God and, and we have God to rely on. And that's wonderful. So, and I, I am grateful to this church for teaching me to go to a spiritual sense. Because now I can't imagine trying to go an hour without it. So, <laughs> exactly, wonderful. yes. Okay, Karen? Well, I was thinking of uh, an experience that my uh, youngest, that my oldest son had back when he was playing basketball and he didn't, he sat on the bench for a long, many, many games, many years. He really didn't get into the game very much until later on. But when he would come home discouraged that he never got on, got into the game, we would tell him, but you have to continue to be ready for when you're called upon to go in. And so he kept going, kept practicing, kept doing all the exercise, whatever was so that when that moment came, he was ready to, go in and do his job. 
And it's sort of the same thing. It's uh, We just have to always be ready for, um, you know, keep our keep that spiritual sense active, keep it exercising, you know, like any exercise. And um, then we're ready for whatever comes our way. We're, we're on it. We don't have to go back to our, well, we go to our books, of course, but we don't have to gather up all the energy and all the, we're right, we're right there where we need to be at the moment. And boy, am I learning that since I've come to this church. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, I think this is part of taking up the cross. Um, as he says, that that's the only way up from salvation, from sin, disease, and death. So if we don't have these trials, how are we using our spiritual senses? It makes us use the spiritual senses. Any, any problems that we might have. Yeah, proof God's care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it forces us to do so. And when we are ready, things are going to come to us. I mean, it's not like we have to seek out, de- you know, things to deal with. But opportunities will come to us when we are ready. And it's like, uh, I mean, it's consistent with what Mrs. Eddy says a Christian science healing is, isn't it? So what, does she, what does she say that a Christian science healing is? But, but the recognition? Realization. Yeah, present perfection. Uh, present perfection. Yeah, the absolute acknowledgement. Yes. Yeah, absolute acknowledgement. Thank you. Present perfection. Thank you. Yes. It's a recognition of what really is true. And wouldn't wouldn't we rather live our lives recognizing what is true rather than being fooled by what is not true? And well, to that, that end, I was. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say to that end, I was thinking about that idea of you know muscles getting atrophied or you know that you know, keeping your spiritual sense sharp. And I, I had mentioned in a testimony a, a month or so ago about, you know, keeping a gratitude list. And I had actually just recently realized that, you know, I'd gone several days without writing down my gratitudes in it. And I spent a lot of time last night writing everything back down. And I, I realized I'd kind of gotten into a funk and it didn't take very much time. You know, so it's like not keeping not keeping that gratitude front and center and not, you know, I'm not taking that time every night. Uh, it's, it's amazing how quickly the dust builds up, if you will. So that, that was something that just popped out at me last night that I thought really fit with this watch too. Thank yeah. you. Time to wipe the dust off your feet, right? And move on. <laughs> <laughs> and off your eyes. Well, it, what does Mrs. Eddy say in the lesson that spiritual sense is a cons- conscious, constant capacity to understand God? It's something that we should be doing always to understand God and then to see his creation, to see the truth about what is going on. Always. And this does keep us happy and grateful and positive. We're not all in the dumps because of the news and Um, what seems to be going on around us because we know what the truth is and that we we are in the father's house and right here and now we are experiencing heaven on earth we can but it's not a selfish pursuit everyone has to come with you (laughs) otherwise you can't do it it's 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 the motive like the prayer florence read it's the motive yep it has to be. It's not just getting your own little perfect little place all perfect with all your little house or car or whatever you think you want. It's not that at all. It's uh, it's seeing his creation, loving it, loving it, and being grateful for it, yes. And then also in the lesson, Mrs. Eddy says, and this goes along with the watching point, mind alone possesses all faculties, perception, and comprehension. Mind alone. That's why you can never say, you know, that you don't understand something or 
can't perceive something or you can't, you know, you can't see something <laughs> or hear something because mind alone, it mind alone has it. And, and you as, as God's reflection have it as well. But this is living it and knowing it every moment, not just when you're in trouble, but all the time. And that definition of per- perception, the notice which the mind takes of external objects and faculty, power of the mind or intellect, which enables, enables it to receive the power of doing anything, ability, and comprehend, of course, is to understand. So don't say you don't understand something. Don't say you don't understand science and health. You're just admitting you're in the, in the belief of a wrong mind. So stay in that mind. Live it. Love it. Cherish it. Cherish your spiritual sense. You know, we were told here once, you know, don't even go into the kitchen to make a sandwich without asking God if it's the right thing to do and how you should do it. And and if you do that, everything is wonderful, perfect. What did you write about perfection? Oh, yeah, before, long ago, that idea, when I first read Science and Health, being perfect, I thought, oh, my goodness. But it all makes sense. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's here. It's done. And, and, and a few things, you know, like, the um, the web the, the dictionary helps because when you're perfect in God as as the image of likeness you're complete uh, it, it you're it's done it's through to carry to the end you're not defective We're, and it, it's very beautiful and as we gain this uh, understanding that we are now uh, we may not always see it or feel it. Uh, but we can, we can. It's right here. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Well, and we see evidence of it in our lives, oh, don't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. And that evidence supports her instruction to hold the ideal in thought. Even when we don't see it, to hold it in thought yeah. and expect it, it'll happen. Because it's the only thing that's true in the first place. <laughs> That's why that's that's where we start from, you know, it's it's acknowledging this oneness because reflection is not two. Um, So we have to always start from that and go on. Thank you. And that's why we are grateful for the evidence that comes into our lives. When, When God gives us something, recognize that the source and be thankful for the source. Not, you know, you, of course we're thankful for the result, but be thankful for the source because that is what keeps us, enables us to keep that high ideal in thought and not let it drop. Because if we're not thankful for the source, what does the devil say? <laughs> well, it would have happened anyway, or it was chance, or it was either this or it was that. Well, no. When it's good, it's God. It's good. Um, so there's a. Go ahead. Okay. There's something in, it's called Things to Handle Daily, and it's from Watches, Prayers, and Arguments, given by Mary Baker Eddy. And it says Students do not pray enough. They should go by themselves at least three times a day to pray. Their prayer should consist of divine thanks and more realization of the perfect as well as the denial of error. There is too much denial of error and too little realization of the perfect. And it kind of is a wake-up call that we really need to focus on the, the realization of the perfect. Just like what we're talking about right now. And it yeah. really helped me to look at that more. Thank you. Yeah, I've given that to, to most people to study and work with that every day. It's things we should be handling daily. It's quite a long list, but it doesn't matter. You just start um, absorbing it in your daily life. You know, we're always thinking something, so why not be thinking the enduring, the good, and the true, as Mrs. Eddy says. So 
remember this. You are in the kingdom of heaven right now. And if you don't seem to be, well, where, where's the problem? You're thinking, thinking, thinking. Yep. Yep. You've gotten lazy and complacent. You're not keeping, yes, as Lenny said, your gratitude list. You're not doing these things, your daily duties. Or if you do it, you're doing it by rote without feeling and, and love for this wonderful science that we have. I mean, my gosh, to be able to live in the kingdom of heaven? Come on, guys. What could be better than that? Holy Moses. <laughs> That's why it was so thrilling. And I love to think of it. And I love to think of it first thing in the morning. And am I living in this kingdom of heaven? And it, it goes, this whole lesson is so so beautiful on soul. Soul is such a wonderful topic. And Jeremy had put on the uh, carousel, I hope you've all read it and studied it, about what Big Da Young says about soul, because he had a deep understanding of it. And it's from his 90, 1936. He said so many good things about soul. <laughs> so many good things about soul. It's too long to read here, so you read it on your own. But he certainly brings out that beauty is soul and that in the kingdom of heaven, everything will be beautiful. And we should have it beautiful for ourselves as well. Nothing ugly in the kingdom of heaven. Nothing ugly in the kingdom of heaven. And he said not to criticize people who are working to look lovely because we should. Uh, you know, this sense of being poor and ugly as if that's something good. <laughs> not really. Um the loveliness of soul the loveliness of soul the beauty of soul and also the joy of soul a radiance those pages 244 to 248 in science and health which speak on beauty and agelessness and radiance there's something to work with often um, because there's they are so beautiful and they enrich our lives the beauty of the world, when we, when we look out and see the stars or the sunsets or whatever it is we see, um, that that's a taste of heaven on earth. And it's so beautiful and to be grateful for it. So, um, Jeremy, would you read the watching point? Excuse me, the, the golden text. Sorry. The highway of the upright is to is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Thank you. Now, Carrie, who, you know, she sends me all these beautiful articles each week, but she contributed something which was very beautiful. She said, um, I just wanted to share how I worked with the golden text this week. Words inserted were inspired by a commentary from Bible Hub. It all worked into what Mrs. Eddy says which is in our lesson, that spiritual devoutness is the soul of Christianity. And that's the first citation in Science and Health. And I'm saying that word devoutness, sincere, solemn, earnest, yielding a solemn and reverential attention to God. Are you doing that? Are you devout in your worship and your love for God? Anyway, and then she says, this would otherwise be like a forum contribution. And this is what she says about the golden text from Bible Hub. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. The high way of the upright is to depart from evil. The habitual practice of the upright is to depart from evil. The constant endeavor of the upright is to depart from evil. The all thoughts at all times of the upright is to depart from evil. To depart from evil is to go from it, walk off and leave it, shun it. And then, he that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. He that keepeth his way preserves his spiritual sense. It's interesting because the responsive reading goes along with your spiritual sense. And then she says from the responsive reading, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring my spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. So 
think about this in the responsive reading. Well, first, what we just spoke about, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, firmament showeth his handiwork. All the beauty of God all around us to see, appreciate, and see it in its true light. Not, um, well, earthquakes and <laughs> other things Fires. that seem to be going on, but seeing it in its true light. Fires, yes, other things. Knowing the truth about it. And that's what the word firmament means, right? Spiritual understanding. Yes, thank yeah. you. So, this is something, uh, also, this is an article that Carrie sent about the 19th Psalm, which is the responsive reading, where it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, con converting the soul. In the revised version, the last clause is rendered, restoring the soul. Science and Health, page 578, explains this phrase to mean restoring the spiritual sense. Miscellaneous writing 73. We learn that the appearing of divine law to human understanding constitutes regeneration. As we come to perceive what divine law, the law of God, really is, that is indeed the law of unchanging goodness, of life and love at all times and to all persons. And this law underlines and governs all real existence. We lose the material instincts of fear, rebellion, selfishness, hatred. The mortal personality is regenerated and the true individuality or spiritual sense is restored, brought to light. There is no longer any ground for enmity either against either God or man. And then the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise is simple. The restoring of spiritual sense enables us to recognize the testimony of the Lord, the testimony of spirit, speaking through the spiritual sense and contradicting false evidence of the material sense. The voice of spirit bears eternal witness to the perfection of God and man, the omnipotence of truth and life and love. It is sure and an ever-present guide, imparting to the simple and humble-minded who are willing to listen and obey the wisdom and power of omniscience. That is also beautiful. This is what all these things in Psalm 19 does for you. If you do it, the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear, the judgments. As you live these things, as you, as you know, as your guide, being the Bible and science and health and prose works, your eyes become enlightened and your spiritual sense is sharpened. And you see and know what we, you should know and see. You see and know as God sees. This is that he says you'll know the past, present, and future. Isn't this worth developing? Mm -hmm. The spiritual yeah. sense of soul. And this lesson with the story of David, because David is such a beautiful example of the expression of soul, isn't he? Um, and in the 1936 Bicknell Young, he says soul is different than spirit, and soul has more, what, Jeremy? Oh, it's, yeah, it's more about spontaneity and beauty and... Yeah, it's definitely not anything intellectual. Hmm. And we know when we talk about a soul-filled person or a, someone who a painting is full of soul um, or the singing. You feel the thought of the artist. The depth. You feel the depth of, of love and beauty in the, in the mind, you know, the consciousness of the artist that painted the picture or sang the song. Or cooked the food. Or cooked the food. Or cooked the food. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's right. a love that's behind it and it's it's so beautiful to think of those things and to make sure we are expressing. Man is the expression of soul, right? So so yes. 
And then, um, and it says, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much gold, sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. So if you think you don't have a lot of money, well, you have all of this. It's God-given. And if you're not using it, then that's your bad, as they say. Right, because soul has what? Infinite resources. Infinite resources. Exactly. So if you're missing out, well, take a, you know, where's the problem? Take a look within. Are you expressing the soulness, the soul that is God? This isn't exact, I don't believe, but Mrs. Eddy says that God gives us our spiritual ideas and in turn they give us our daily supplies. Thank you, yes. Thank you. And I, I've been working with this. Um, Gary's readings on Wednesday are going to be the theme is feed the famished affections. Now I work a daily. Preview here. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> a little preview. A preview. A preview. Well, well, I, of course I work with the Lord's for every day. But think, think of this. Um, give us today our daily bread. All right, so most people, myself included, think, okay, give me God, give me, give me, <laughs> give me what I need for today, <laughs> whatever that is. But her interpretation of it is so beautiful to me because give us grace for today. And that beautiful definition of grace and um, part of it being regeneration, which is uh, the ability to hear God's voice. And to obey his voice. So, and then feed the famished affections. She's not just talking about herself. She's talking about the world. So if you need your daily bread, how much of this are you doing? Are you asking God for grace for the day so that you can, you can feed the famished affections? Are you doing that? To me, that's astounding. And I've, I've read this Lord's Prayer, I don't know how many times, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And every morning I pray that prayer, but I certainly pray those verses particularly to make sure that what I do say live is feeding the famished affections. Because aren't there so many famished affections that need feeding? So stop thinking about me, myself, and I, and what I need, and I want my daily bread, God, and I need this, and I need that, and I want that. But think about what are you doing, and ask for his grace so that you can feed those famished affections. And he'll give you that grace. It will come. Yeah, it's just like the beautiful watch last night. Is it? Oh, yeah, and that's all in Gary's reading. (laughs) And also feed my sheep Um, and the lesson. Because what did Jesus say? One of the last things he told his disciples was that, to feed feed his sheep. sheep. Yep. Okay, so um, Sharon, what did you, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This is one of my favorite Bible statements. I pray this often during the day. It helps me to keep my conversation uplifted and not be critical of what is going on around me. Matthew Henry says, he prays to God to keep him from sin and then begs he would accept his performances. For if we favor our sins, we cannot expect God should favor us or our services. And Moffat says, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart please thee, eternal one, my strength and savior. And Strong says, let these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you. You know, beautiful song in church often, our little, I don't know, trio, quartet or whatever it is. <laughs> and and to have that in your heart always, it's such a beautiful prayer. Again, a prayer of David, Psalm of David. Um, there's one other thing about the highway. I thought this was so beautiful. 
an article that Carrie sent, The Road to Salvation, by Violet Kersimer. Um, The Highway of the Upright, uh, and Mrs. Kersimer says, As God's reflection, your every desire is inspired, directed, controlled, and fulfilled by divine principle love. You will know that your hourly purpose in life is to express the abundance of health, loving kindness, prosperity, and joy, which God is impartially bestowing upon every idea of his creation. You will know that because divine love, the perfect cause, enfolds you, no harm can come to you so long as you abide in loving obedience under the shadow of his wings, reflecting good. For this reason, no intruding disease can trouble the serene activity of God's child, for it is not love's purpose for its beloved reflection. You are on the highway of salvation. Cast up and cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. That's the Bible. Let Christian science gather out of your thinking all that is unyielding or disobedient. Let it remove any stumbling block from your mental pathway as you bear onward the standard of divine principle. So this principle will guard and guide you on your upward way. That's the highway of the Lord. All right, that's the highway of the Lord, and that's the highway we want to keep on. And that is a straight and narrow path. And that when you find yourself getting complacent, or out of sorts or something, you're getting off that path and you have to rouse yourself to get back on it. Otherwise, you're drifting. And pretty soon, it's bye-bye. Reminds me of not long after, I used to write a lot of notes for myself when I first started here. And I don't know if this came from a round table or just whatever, but I wrote one that said, nobody's going to swoop in and do this for you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We don't, we don't have guilt here, but we do have accountability. So. Well, that's right. Yeah, and there's exactly. a big difference. A big difference. Thank you for that. It's not guilt, but accountability. Adam, where art thou? And you know, and um, it's sometimes a reason people don't want to call a practitioner. What did you say, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, yeah, just you're going to. You know you're going to get it if you have your own agenda. If you have your own yeah. agenda, yeah, you're really not in it. You're and you, you know, your words can't fool anybody. Either you're in or you're out. And hey, you know, you can be out. You can do as little as you want, or you can take it as you feel it, or whatever. That's whatever. That's what's so great about our website. <laughs> Just be honest about it. Just be yourself. honest. Well, yeah. that's why the, there are two things here that are mentioned that matter. It's it, it one is the words of my mouth that matters, but the other one is even more important. The meditation of my heart. What what's really truly honestly in my heart? Because that's what God knows. It doesn't really matter what you say, <laughs> except perhaps to other people around you. <laughs> The highway. By this is meant the general course, the mode of living, the habitual practice, the constant endeavor, all the thoughts and words and actions of man at all times, the way, the royal road, the highway of his life. It's a great place to be. It doesn't just happen. As Gary says, it's not just given to you on a silver platter. You have to work for it, but it's well worth the effort. And this is the kingdom of heaven and the definition of that part of it in this week's lesson is where soul is supreme and it's wonderful why wouldn't you want to be there all right nancy you tell me what you wrote uh yes i wrote about psalm 42 uh, uh line five why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou disquieted in me Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In Benson's commentary, um, it reads, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, with excessive sorrow and despair? Why art thou disquieted within me? 
Is there any cause that anxiety of mind should put thee into a state of such perturbation as if all hopes of felicity, which means joy and happiness, were lost forever? Hope thou in God, trust in him, and patiently wait upon him, for I shall yet praise him. The time will come when I shall go again to his house and praise him for his favor toward us, for the help of his countenance, for the salvation of his faith, for those supports, deliverances, and comforts, which I doubt not, I shall ere long enjoy both in his presence and sanctuary, to which he will restore me from his presence and the light of his countenance, which he will graciously afford me. I thought with all, every time we are uh, confronted with something in the news, this is a beautiful verse to think upon, to, to uh, be grateful for all the good he has already done and is still doing, and we will see the fruits of it. It's um, it was very encouraging to me. Thank and, you. Um, that, you're welcome. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because I guess it was Carrie again on Wednesday. Or I read her testimony where she'd had a very bad day, and then Monday morning she woke and read this. <laughs> and said, well, oh. Um, you know, why art thou cast down on my soul? So no matter what, it, it is a wonderful wake-up call to read that. And there's no no reason ever. It's helped me countless times as well. So uh, we have a wonderful God to turn to. If you're cast down, it's because you're not turning to him. So thank you, Nancy. So... The story of David, and again, Carrie sent me some beautiful things about this dear fellow and how he expressed soul. One is William McCracken. Um, the name of it is the boy David. Keeping his sheep under the sun and under the stars, what manner is a boy was David? When soul had proved himself to be inadequate as king, the prophet Samuel was sent forth by God's command to find another king and was led to visit Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He passed this man's sons in review until he came to the youngest David, of whom the record says, Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. True religion demands the beauty of holiness. It is impossible to conceive of a religion as being true and ugly at the same time. That which is ugly lasts saving grace and is evil looking. The divine nature and its expression cannot be less than glorious with the light of love. Therefore, the understanding of God must be equally bright and attractive. Mrs. Eddy has ex expressed a world of thought in one short sentence. In science and health, love never loses sight of loveliness. What must have been this boy's thought about God? Very simple, doubtless, very spiritual, because he trusted implicitly in the unseen God of Israel to protect him from his visible dangers. And then this also, the same article, and it's by William McCracken. The boy David playing the harp while he washed, washed his sheep, soothing Saul's brooding humor with the purity of his tones, driven from court but sparing his pursuer's life when he held him in the hollow of his hand, was like a Hebrew Robin Hood living off the land. Yet he never hardened his heart nor lost his trust in God. How we love him for his affection and courage. He could not be made to hate. The promise of the boy was fulfilled to the man, and he left three great inspirations for the human race. His fight with Goliath. His friendship for Jonathan. His collections of songs or psalms. What a legacy he left us. How tremendous. And all those descriptions of him, he was that was so beautiful. He was never made to hate. 
And that one time when he thought he was going to, Abigail came to his rescue and saved him. And that story when he got so mad at, what's his name? Nabal. (laughs) Nabal. Yeah. (laughs) So um, such a beautiful man and how we rejoice in his psalms every day. Poetry just poured out of him. The beauty of his countenance was the beauty in his soul. And we must always remember that. I think I've told you, I, I once read that um, in Japan, the women will look in front of a mirror, but they look to see how be- how peaceful their expression is. Not their features or their makeup or whatever, but the countenance, how peaceful they look. They're not looking peaceful, then they're not looking beautiful. And there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yes. And this other. You know, I also. Oh, sorry. Well, I was also thinking. I I, I read something in um, Jameson Fawcett and Brown really briefly. It says, "For I have provided me a king." The language is remarkable and intimates a difference between this and the former king. Saul was the people's choice the fruit of their wayward and sinful desires for their own honor and aggrandizement. The next was to be a king who would consult the divine glory and selected from the tribe to which the preeminence had been early promised. And we have elections coming up next year. And I was thinking how, you know, I have provided me a king. I, I, I sort of connected the... So if, if we want... Uh, uh, someone to lead our country that turns to God to do it, then um, we we have to turn to God <laughs> to do that for us, and and to not have somebody up there that's for their own glory, but for the glory of God. I don't know. I just was thinking of our upcoming elections next year. That's very beautiful. You should write that in an article for our magazine. Yeah. <laughs> We're still waiting for that other article. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you will. I, will I, I, I know I will someday. Yeah. You are on the pathway of a highway of holiness. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, be, no, it'll be a great help, right? Harris? Yeah, yeah. Good thoughts in that. And so true. Which, which one? That should always be our question. Which one is God anointing? Which one does God see? And God does not see on the outward appearances. Right. He sees in the heart. Mm-hmm. We must, too. We must look in the heart and not listen necessarily to the news. <laughs> they're gonna, Especially the news. Especially so the news. <laughs> yep. Which is propaganda. It's propaganda. <laughs> they're, they have hidden agendas as to who they want. We want Nobody deceiving God, though. Nobody can deceive God. No one can deceive God. The smooth tongue villainy, that's what you're exactly in spiritual sense, because it, some of them can say some pretty maps and trick a lot of people, yeah. false prophets. Mm-hmm. So, Even using God's name. Yes. You have to use spiritual sense. There is one more thing I need to talk about before Gary ends, and that is um, the relationship between David and Jonathan. This article called Friendship talks about the selfless love. Um, it says the story always has glowed and always will glow because its vital essence is selfless love. Mm-hmm. And in miscellaneous writings, our retrospection and introspection on page 80 to 81, um, Mrs. Eddy says there are no greater miracles known to earth than perfection, which is what Chardell spoke of. And an unbroken friendship. We love our friends, but oftentimes we lose them in proportion to our affection. The sacrifices made for others are not infrequently met by envy and gratitude and enmity, which smite the heart and threaten to paralyze its beneficence. The unavailing tear is shed both for the living and the dead. Anyway, that has always meant so much to me. Because think about it. How many of you have an unbroken friendship? The love between David and Jonathan was a selfless, true love. And nothing could break it. And we must have that in our lives. And as she says, sometimes we do, and it's not appreciated. 
but that doesn't mean we stop doing it. All right, Gary will read. This is an article, uh, excerpt from an article by John Willis entitled Genuine Living, which appeared in a 1913 um, journal. Jur- um, journal. Sen- journal or Sentinel? Journal, sorry. 1913 journal. He starts out by quoting from Science and Health, spiritual sense is a conscious, constant capacity to understand God. Science and Health, page 209. In a most poetic way, Jesus further defined life with respect to its normal manifestation upon this human plane when he said of the growing grain, quote, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear, end quote. Beauty is inseparable from the life of the springing corn. The rich color, the polished surface of the leaves that move and glint in gothic lines, its sturdy upright anchorage in the soil, and its no less free response in gentle curves of courtesy to the summer breeze. Truly, it is a picture for a poet's pen, and this natural beauty pertains no less to growing men than to growing grain. To express the Christ ideal is to be chaste, refined, unselfish, joyous, Christ-like. And it is with all to be prophetic of and prepare the way for a harvest. First the blade, then the ear. There is unfoldment, but there is no separation between cause and effect. The ear is potentially present at every stage of the process, and the blade is meaningless without it. This is the secret of the field. Every least plant is at one with both soil and sun. It calls vast forces to its aid. It has a, genu- it has a genius for appropriation, and it never forgets its goal the full corn in the ear. This, too, is the secret of genuine living in Christian science. It is to be deeply rooted in the demonstrable truth of being. It is to be thoughtful ever of God, that it is ours to express the beauty and power of immortal life. It is to rejoice in the sun, the love that is man's unfailing light. It is to make manifest the mind that was in Christ Jesus and daily do his works. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.